we're learning more this morning about the mysterious slaughter of one item of interest found turned into multiple families that were not able to find her. August 24th, the investigation began. They, they've ruled out an animal attack. Eventually, I'm going to bring my daughter home. A crime spree 40 years long. Commonwealth Chaos. I'm Jules. And I'm Olive. What are we talking about today, Olive? Uh, so today we're actually going to be covering uh, a series of Jane and John Doe cases. Uh, so these are going to be individuals whose remains were discovered, but they were actually never identified. This is actually going to be part one of a two-part episode. Yes, there are currently, what, six? Yep, six active uh, John and Jane Doe cases. That are registered with the FBI, at least. Yes. Because that's where we get our resources from. Right. I think that we're going to go in chronological order today, just because that's what makes the most sense to us. Yeah. All right, so we're going to start off with a Jane Doe who was found in Owen County, Kentucky. Um, She was between 25 and 40 years of age. Um, She was 5'5", 120 pounds, Caucasian. She had a short brown bob cut with some gray in her hairline, and she had no teeth. And this was naturally, this was not a part of the manner of death or postmortem. It was just a feature of hers. Right. Um, so in May of 1988, um, a couple from Owenton, Kentucky, uh, were just like walking through a field, uh, that was like connected to their property. Um, like they were like, just like taking a stroll down the road, picking up their newspaper, regular morning routine. And then like, they see what they think is like a goat, like from one of the neighboring farms, just like laid out in a field. So they walk over there to check on it. And, um, it's actually, like, you know, an unresponsive, unconscious female. Uh, whenever Joy Kelly, who was, uh, the wife of the couple, um, discovered the body, uh, she said it was really unusual for a person to have on dress socks and nothing else. Uh, she was literally discovered completely nude aside from, like, a pair of dark brown dress socks that were, like, perfectly pulled up to her ankles. Um, the only other identifying factor that they, like, saw was a like pretty rough stick and poke of the name Steve on her upper right arm um and she was also missing portions of her left hand uh I'm sorry that is horrific to even think about much less discover or experience of course that is nightmare material within itself exactly like especially to start your day off with that (laughs) They just wanted the newspaper, man. I feel so bad for people who find bodies, identified or otherwise, just because it is such a traumatic fucking experience. Yes, it is a very traumatic experience. And then the first person who is usually interrogated in the following investigation is the individual who, like, reports the body. Yes. So, like, that's just, like, compacted traumas. Because, you know, we all know how stress-free a police interrogation can be. What? Yeah. Yeah, easy peasy. Um, so near the body, police also found a brown nylon blouse, white men's size five and a half, winner's choice brand tennis shoes, a pair of blue jeans, and a blue bra. Due to the fact that she was unclothed whenever she was found, it is suspected that this could potentially be a sexual assault turned murder. Right. And uh like another contributing factor to like that 
particular take on the situation is that this was actually 18 miles south of Owington off of Highway 330. Uh, initially, whenever police uh, reported uh, this case, it did get a lot of initial publicity. So there were like a lot of like initial like leads and like people who'd said that they had like potentially seen her one in particular was that uh someone claimed to have seen her walking down highway 330 uh however because uh it had been a few days of exposure uh they really couldn't necessarily pin down when that would have been they couldn't right. confirm the eyewitness account right um i mean eyewitness accounts are questionable at best sometimes right. i think so it makes sense that it's not something that they would have confirmed right and just due to like other factors that have like arisen during the case a lot of the stuff like you can't really find because it is still considered an ongoing investigation it's not considered cold yet right um so there is still evidence that like isn't necessarily a public record but uh we do know that because of some evidence uh that has arisen they may have potentially had uh like some family connections in either ohio maybe the miami florida area um interesting i wonder how they got to that conclusion well i mean like probably just from people who have missing persons like trying to be like they kind of match this description like maybe they were on the way to see family yeah Yeah. no okay that makes sense um asking around knocking down doors right yeah no okay i get that so uh whenever they do like the initial like examination of the body autopsy and all that good stuff um they determined that like she had definitely been deceased for days and uh like she had had like some like increased decomposition just due to exposure um because like this is may okay but these people were walking across the their field to go get their newspaper did they not get the newspaper every day well, like, it's May in a farm town in the middle of Kentucky, like... But if that's a field... Oh, no, gross. Okay, no, yeah. that makes sense. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a suburban. <laughs> and whenever I was in, you know, a rural area, we were just, like, the poor rurals that had, like, a regular lawn. Right. See, we were, like, the rules that, like... I mean, we had a little we garden, but... Yeah, like, we were poor, but, like, there was farms everywhere. Oh, yeah. Yes. Everywhere. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, anyway. So, like, that's why they're having a hard time, like, pinning down, like, an exact age and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because of, like, those environmental factors. Uh, but they did definitely roll it as a homicide, and cause of death was deemed to be strangulation. Oh, man. Um, so... The remains currently reside in a Owenton, Kentucky cemetery marked as Jane Doe. So, like, it's like an unmarked grave kind of situation. That's so sad. It is extremely sad, especially because, like, some of her uh, some of her remains were kept for, you know, like, future DNA testing. And, Have they done that? Uh, yeah. So, like, the same website that, I, uh, like, I was telling you about earlier, uh-huh. Um they actually... Not sponsored. Yeah, Wish. not sponsored. <laughs> Unless you want to be. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, com. they actually uh, do crowdsource funding for, like, the, uh, like, social work cost aspect of doing the case. That is so cool! Yeah, and, like, they also work with uh, just, like, volunteers who do stuff like 23andMe and, Can like, DNA Ancestry. Do, like, oh, man, we should do some kind of fundraiser. That would be cool. 
we'll think about it put a pin in that um but uh they uh also get together with like all of those like you know ancestry.com dna ancestry 23andme uh and they get together with volunteers to like form a dna pool uh to test against uh like unidentified remains specifically that is so i'm so thankful that they're doing that right it's really sad that they have to but like it's a need and i'm glad it's beginning to be met yeah and like that's like an example of like a community-based action absolutely but uh in regards to the situation joy kelly uh who was the wife that discovered the remains uh you know a good quote from her was just someone is missing someone like she doesn't necessarily believe that like this person will see justice if that makes sense just because like at this point it's a long shot but like she had family she had friends like she's she's missing to somebody you know what i mean so like you know she was somebody's everything exactly at one point point. yeah and uh like it's just sad that like at this point to me what it sounds like is she could have been a hitchhiker uh she could have been like a potential sex worker and like the situation just went wrong yeah um you know those are just like some theories could be a domestic violence situation yeah a random kidnapping it it could be literally anything exactly it it is really interesting that she seems to have these pretty defining features like i don't know to me the having no teeth thing and the stick and poke of steve yeah like a stick and poke is something that somebody usually does to you steve knows steve knows steve knows uh, but if you think that you know anything, uh, you can call Detective Johnson of KSP Post 5 at 502-532-6363 and reference case number 0588-0277. Or you can also reference uh, the NAMIS ID number UP101. So that's just National Missing and Unidentified Person System. Uh, so, like, that's just something that they use to categorize all of those different cases in the United States. That's all I have on that one. It's really unfortunate that that is all the information that we have cumulatively on a human being that is known to the public. And, I mean, like, this is after an extensive investigation. I mean, like, they already, like, ruled out the people on the land. Like, they've ruled out, like, individuals, like, uh, through interviews and, like, all that good stuff. So, like... With it being so close to a highway, like, I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's, like, it's gonna, it's gonna take something, like, It's gonna a take, like, community. a deathbed confession. Yeah, just something, like, I don't know. Hopefully it doesn't come down to that, but, like, definitely those community action programs, like, dnasolves.com and uh, the donetwork.org, like, those are definitely some things that you should be looking into because they do have, like, um, whole a whole slew of different ways that you can contribute to the cause um that is really incredible yeah pretty neat uh so unfortunately that's everything we have on the case of the jane doe in owen county um we're gonna go ahead and move on to another very interesting story of a john doe in grant county kentucky this individual uh has the coin name the man with no hands he had no hands he had no hands 
uh, well, he was found with no hands. Um, he, he definitely had, had hands. hands. Uh, <laughs> Brown hair, and it was cut into a clean crew cut. He was about six five, which is ridiculous, absolutely insane. He was also two hundred thirty pounds, so this guy was a big end. Yep. There's you cannot convince me that he did not play football at some point in his life. Exactly. Like, mm-mm. um, he had some previously healed nasal fractures, which, to me continue to point towards football yeah and flat head syndrome so the back of his head was pretty flat yeah no no no. so like his dental his dental work extremely excessive so he had a metal plate which is like a metal bridge installed into his mouth Mm -hmm. and then he had like permanent like teeth screwed into that metal plate so like yeah that does sound like horrific but what the end result is is like beautifully perfect teeth like carved carved of marble and the style of michelangelo himself you know what i mean like so like aggressively nice teeth yes okay uh which also means that this is not a cheap situation right so he was definitely either came from money or was able to provide for himself really well and get right. his own dental work done or hell i don't know maybe his mom had really good insurance but this there's a Person. record of this happening to yes. somebody. This guy existed. He didn't just fly under the radar. Someone knows who he is. Someone cared about him enough to fix his teeth. Right. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I just feel like you wouldn't forget about the six foot five guy that you did a whole, like, bridge plate reconstruction for. That, yeah. that That's just me. I'm not a dentist. So... Sunday, April 9th, 1989, uh, a farmer walks out to his tobacco barn, and, like, you, if you've driven through eastern Kentucky, you know, you what, they look know like. what a tobacco barn looks like. If you've driven through western Kentucky, you know what a tobacco barn looks like. Or Tennessee, or Alabama, really, like, a lot of people in the south know what tobacco looks like when it's being hung. Yes, Exactly. Um, so he walks out to his barn and he sees like a pile of his tools just like kind of like laying off in the corner. And he's like, what the fuck? And, uh, like he goes over there and he just starts like getting his tools and puts them away. And he uncovers, uh, a giant plastic bag mm-hmm. and, uh, and it is our victim. Uh, he was completely stripped nude and both of his hands were cut off. He was, uh, shot in the back of the head twice executioner style with a 22 caliber unidentified firearm uh so it was determined that he had been killed about like two weeks prior mm-hmm. um all right so he's been shot in the back of the head executioner style both of his hands have been removed his body was wrapped in plastic and stashed in a tobacco barn that sounds like at least vaguely professional to me. Exactly. Right? Like they like whoever whoever did this had to have been knowledgeable and experienced because they went the extra mile to make sure that his body was going to be hard to identify. Right. And to me, like leaving a body like covered up like that in a tobacco barn, that tells me a few things. One, this person may have been familiar with the comings and goings of tobacco season. Like, anybody who's familiar with tobacco season knows that once you hang that shit, you only check on it about, like, once every, like, few days, maybe a couple weeks. And they're definitely going to know that if they staked out the location prior. Yes. Uh, Did this farmer have a normal routine? I mean, like, assumingly so. I mean, like, most farmers, like, it's like clockwork. 
You know okay. what I mean? Um, but what's interesting about this is that, like, this barn was located right off, right off of Kentucky State Highway 22. It's about, like, seven and a half miles west of Dry Ridge, like, near Williamstown, Kentucky. Okay. 45 minutes away from Cincinnati. You could see the barn from the highway. Oh. Yeah. So this could have been anyone. Exactly. Truly. It really could have been. And, like, specifically, like, I think the Sicilian Mafia and stuff, because, like, one of the theories, one of the potential theories is that, like, it was a mob hit. Um, But uh, that was, like, a really common practice, was, like, stashing bodies in, like, rural areas. Really? Yeah. But, to me, they didn't bury it or anything like that. They could have been stashing it to move it later. Interesting. Yeah. But, what? I don't know. Just the fact that they went the extra mile to remove his hands Mm -hmm. to, you know, reduce the likelihood that he would be identified. Right. But they didn't remove the extensive dental work in his mouth. That that shows me that they didn't know him personally. Either they didn't know him personally or if this individual was, like, you know, deeply involved in the criminal underground, they could have had an underground doctor paid under the table to fix his teeth. You know what I mean? So it wouldn't have had any kind of record. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Or even, I don't know, he could have gone out of the country. Yeah. He could not even be from the United States for all we know. That's very true. Yeah, because like to me, somebody that's like this kind of like, I don't know, this man's got a laundry list of unique characteristics. I agree. Flathead syndrome, uh, like the dental work, he's 6'5", he's a big dude, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, that and just, again, I think that that prior that. nasal trauma, er, nasal trauma. Yeah, I think that that prior nasal trauma shows us that he was either involved in like a contact sport or, or scuffy, stuffy, scuffy, like scuffles, scuffy, scrappy. He was scrappy. Yeah, yeah, like he was tough. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Brings up some just really interesting things to think about. Yeah, and like. You know, and it could be one of these situations where, like, somebody who could potentially identify him is afraid to identify him. Yeah. Especially if this is something like a contract killing or something like that. Or, like you said, gang or mafia related. Yeah, because, like, family members, like, who could come forward and identify, like, you know, an unidentified body. Like, at that point, like, you could potentially be seen as, like, ratting. Yeah. You know what I I mean? Yeah, I agree. Because you're just drawing, you're drawing police attention to, like, a murder that could be potentially traced to, you know, gang activity. Um, It puts a target on your back, basically, right? Right. Just, if you have any information, just contact your local FBI jurisdiction or nearest American embassy or consulate? Consulate, yeah. Consulate, yeah. Uh... So, just because of the nature of this particular investigation, it is just strictly managed by the FBI. KSP is not involved. It is so close to being interstate. That absolutely makes sense yeah. to me. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so not a whole lot, not a whole lot on that one. I would actually say that that is a wealth of information. And they're all identifying factors. So, like, right. the fact that he is still unidentified is kind of perplexing to me, personally. Yeah, especially with him just, I don't know... I just, I feel like I remember every man I've ever met who's over six foot. Like, I just, like, it's just something, that man's a tree, and you just remember <laughs> them. I just, like, I don't know. Can attest. 
men over six feet tall are trees. You can't, can't prove otherwise. Can't confirm. Can you? Can you? All right. And the last John Doe, or the last Doe case today that we want to cover um, is the Lyon County John Doe. He was found in Lake Barkley um, in Kentucky. He is a Caucasian man who was between 35 and 50 years old at time of death. Um, he is between 225, or er, 235 and 255 pounds, and between 5'6 and 6'1. And those numbers will make a bit more sense in just a little bit. So, when this particular individual was discovered in Lake Barkley, um, he was wearing multiple layers of clothes. Uh, first was a white shirt with No Fear Sports Bar. Uh, it was just like a logo for a sports bar on the front mm-hmm. with No Fear Gear on the back. Uh, he was wearing 38 by 30 blue jeans, uh, a blue and white nylon, like, starter brand windbreaker that was, like, emblazoned with the Dallas Cowboys logo. Very popular in yes. the late 90s. Very, very popular. Like, I can visualize this specific windbreaker in my head, and I've never seen it before. But I know Because they're so like. popular. Right? He was also wearing a green nylon Reebok jacket and size 10 and a half wide white leather Volt brand tennis shoes um in addition to having a uh like maroon sports coat and towels found like around his neck like wrapped around his neck so a sports jacket and towels wrapped around his neck yes um and he was weighed down and tied with uh semi-truck snow chains like snow chains for your tires yes yeah, so he was tied up in that, and he was tied up with an electrical cord. Interesting. Yes. Um. So, because he was found in the water, the height and weight are weird just due to decomposition, because you gotta think about this man was weighed down in a body of water for so long, and yep. now he's floating to the surface. Things are not pretty. Exactly. Like, you bloat a lot. Yes. Uh, because like we just basically are little osmosis machines. Um, and then like you also have like the wildlife consistently picking mm-hmm. at the body. Um, he did also have extensive dental work. So this is someone who was cared for um, or did just in some manner have access to dental health care. Um, isotope and analysis actually revealed that he was of U.S. birth. So he is from the U.S. He's missing. Someone is missing him, too. Exactly. And um, it was determined that, like, the death did occur, like, probably towards the end of 1998 or the beginning of 1999, just due to, like, the estimate the estimate that they could give for decomposition. And um, then he wasn't found until roughly six months later in yeah, the spring. Yeah, like in May. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, it could just have been that he might have been frozen under the surface of the lake for a little while. That's an interesting concept. Yeah. Um, to me, just because, like, I don't know, I just, I feel like this poor man was probably weighed down while he was still breathing. Uh, I don't want to think about that. That's really awful. Yeah. Okay, so I looked it up, and Lake Barkley is actually in really close proximity proximity to um, I-24, I-69, as well as Highway 68. So, like... This could have been anyone, and the snow tires for the semi truck specifically tells me that it can't. He came from the highway. Yes, and was absolutely dumped because it it really does cut really close to I twenty four. Exactly. And 
it crosses Highway 68 twice. Right. So, like, he probably came from Highway 68 off a bridge or something. Right. And, like, just because you found, you know, remains, you found, like, a body in a lake does not necessarily mean that it didn't come from the connecting river. That's very true. Oh. And what is connected to Lake Barkley? A fucking river. Which river? Uh. It's an important river. It's the Ohio. Cumberland? Oh. <laughs> oh, wait. No, it is fed by the Cumberland and the Tennessee rivers, which are fed by the Ohio River. I'm serious. I thought it was Cumberland. You were halfway right. Thanks, Mom. And the other side of Lake Barkley is Kentucky Lake. Right. So, like, there's just, like, a few different waterways that this, could poten- this body could potentially have came from. And, like... It's really hard to get leads when you can't really pull a whole lot of physical evidence when it's been waterlogged. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. And this body of water stretches all the way down to Big Sandy uh, National Wildlife Center in Tennessee. Like, it crosses multiple important places. Now, I don't know how the water's flowing and how the current is, so I couldn't speak on if... The body could have gotten from one place to another. This is all conjecture. Yes. But I don't know. It seems like this is a lot of area to cover to find the identity of this missing person. So I understand that compared with the level of decomposition and how long he had been dead. Why this hasn't been solved. But it really is heartbreaking that it hasn't been. Right. So I don't know. It's just like these are always stuff like this is hard is hard to cover because like there it, it's not wrapped up there's no ending it's just it's out there and that missing persons and unsolved murders with no suspects yep are the that's the kind of shit that keeps me up at night exactly. that's why I do this right and uh, if you happen to have any potential leads any potential information on this case uh, you want to get in contact with Detective David Dick with KSP Mayfield Kentucky. At 270-856-3721 or you can email at david.dick at kentucky.gov or you can get in touch with FBI uh, VICAP at 800-634-4097 or VICAP at leo.gov. So yeah, please reach out if you think you know anything. But yeah, so that's uh, that's the end of our Jane and John Doe's for now. Uh, like we said, we are going to do another episode where we cover the other three cases. Uh, and that one's going to be coming up soon. Um, I've noticed we've gotten an uptick in new listeners lately. So if you're new, hi. Hey. Um, welcome. We're doing the best we can, and we love you. Um, yeah. So... Love y'all. Y'all stay safe. And And y'all, lock lock your your fucking fucking doors. doors.